theyeshiva.net. Lines from the bottom, page 130, in Remember our discussion, the world of Toyu, Vayimlech Vayamas, Vayimlech Vayamas. It says, Vahakoyl, Vahakoyl, Mipnei Shilohoyo, Behem Ha'ores Ha'moichin, Belohoyo, Behem Chines Bittu. All of this that we described, that in the world of Toyu, no Midah can tolerate its colleague, and every Midah is an absolute extreme, everything is experienced and practiced in absolute extremities, no compromise, no diluting its energy, no tolerating its Chaver, no sphere can emerge if the other one, the one preceding it, doesn't die, in other words, is not nullified. Because what he calls toikif hargashas atzmusa, to such a powerful uh, sense of uh, consciousness of self, to the point that anybody who is opposite than me, I cannot coexist with. So it's either me or you, but it's mute, the two are mutually exclusive. For example, he brought chesed and gvura, cannot coexist. Either chesed in its full extreme, or gvura in its full extreme without the balance, without the compromise, without the synthesis and the integration. So this creates a shvira. And as a result of the shvira, of the collision, what happens? What happens is there's a lot of sparks, a lot of energy, a lot of light. In fact, there's more energy here than there's going to be in the world of Tikkun. Because there's so much energy, it's basically that each energy is like infinite, not like each energy wants to be infinite, and therefore I can't give room for anything else. Infinity means infinity. Infinity means there's no limit. Infinity means ain't safe. So there's no limit. If there's no limit, it means there's no place that I don't belong in. That means there's no place that you belong. Because <laughs> if I'm infinite, then I have to reach everywhere. I have to pervade every space. And I don't stop. There's no barrier to my expression, to my identity. So there's a lot of intensity. There's a lot of energy there. But there's also a shvira ultimately. So chesed and gvura basically collide, and in the collision they break. And the breaking here, of course, is all metaphoric. We're not talking here about a physical collision on the highway, Chas Shalom, where there's an accident and two cars, you know, collide into each other and the cars are totaled. That's just a muscle. But the nimshal here is the concept that when things are broken and shattered, you cannot recognize their theme anymore. You don't, you have a, a, a painting and the painting is, sp- is splintered, is fragmented into into a million little pieces, so you still have the painting, but you can't piece it together. And since you can't piece it together, you don't recognize in any detail how it's part of a larger clown. Yeah. In the physicality, so the Oilam Atikan is built on the Oilam Atayu. On the debris of Oilam Atayu. In the debris. What does that mean physically? You say metaphorically. So what it it means physically is what he says here that... uh, Basically, from the evolution of the shards, the pieces of Tayu, what comes out? All Dvarim Gashma. All physical reality. Which means the physicality of our world. Not the spirituality of our world. But the physicality of our world. Which physicality completely does not bespeak any source. It doesn't point to a creator. On the contrary. You could walk the face of this planet comfortably and be a very respectable professor and be a complete... Atheist, on the contrary, you're respected for your atheism because our physical world does not bespeak on a revealed, in a revealed way. You can research and examine and there's plenty of proof, but 
in a revealed way, the Gashmias doesn't point to anything higher. There was a famous professor in Cambridge University in Britain. His name was Bertrand Russell. He was a very well-known atheist. He died some years ago. So I read an interview that they did with him when he was already old. And they asked him, what happens if you die, you come up, and suddenly you see God exists. Your whole life you dedicate it to, uh, to mock, to denigrate religious faith. Suddenly you'll see God exists. What are you gonna, what, what's the first thing you're going to tell him? He says, I'll look at him and say, you did not provide the evidence. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Nothing to do with me, yeah. spoke about before that the they don't have the space. It's either one or the other. Yeah. Isn't space itself a concept that we are limited and we think of space? Space is not really... Yeah, I'm just using it because I don't have other ISIS, but you're right. The word space is also part of uh, our vocabulary that is limited. Now, I don't think Mr. Russell is right. I think there's quite a lot. But the point is that there's certainly a lot of concealment. The Gemara says, Oilam is Miloshan Helam. In other words, the concealment of the world is not a mistake. It's designed that way. This is a world that's designed to hide, to hide truth. That's what it is. There's an expression in Gemari Masach the Brachus. It says, Ein Sur Kalekeno, in the Shira of Chana, right? Ein Sur Kalekeno. There's no rock like Hashem. So the Gemara says in Brachus, I think, Dafyud, Ein Tsayar Kalekeno. There's no artist like God. So what is the meaning of this? So there's a Taichin Chesidosh Svarim that a tsayer, an artist, has a unique chush. If there's any artist sitting here, I'm talking about in painting, you know what's the power of an artist. He takes can- canvas. He takes pigment. He takes a brush. And basically he paints a picture of something. And if he's a great artist, you look at the picture and it looks like it's alive. He has that talent to impart life to a dead canvas with lifeless pigment and a lifeless brush and yet from it he creates something that looks real. Sometimes it looks more real than in real life. There was once a museum they had a painter, a painting of a dog barking, a large dog barking. And people came in and they got scared. The bark was so real that people pusher jumped away because they didn't see it. So we say, ain't There's no artist like Hashem, the greatest artist of all. Takes a world, which essentially the world has nothing but the divine energy. So the whole Metzius of the world is nothing but divine energy. And yet, it looks so real. So powerfully real. Where does that transition happen? That's the Shvira of Eilam The Shvira of Eilam creates a reality where even though every piece of the world is really divine energy, but it doesn't translate as part of a theme. Like when you break something up into pieces, you can't see that the two are really one. So you identify each piece as a self-contained reality, when really it's just part of a painting, it's part of a bigger picture, it's part of a larger body. The cosmos is really divine energy. But what Toyo accomplishes is, what the Shvira of Toyo accomplishes is, Everything is completely self-contained. Every moment is self-contained, every person is self-contained, and every reality is self-contained. Vayimlech, vayamos. V'hakoyl mepnei shelahoye behem ha'ores ha'moichin v'lahoye behem chines bitl. Avo b'chines ha'tikun, now comes the b'chines of tikun. What's tikun? Shehu b'chines adam. Versus behema. 
You see by a behemoth, by an animal, as he said, that generally every animal has its teva, and there's no integration, there's no negotiation. This is who I am. This is the nature of the animal, and it's ferocious. You know, if you watch ever uh, animals, how they focus on their prey, how they focus on their prey, the tiger, the cheetah, the lioness, that one-dimensional, ferocious attention and focus that is unwavering. This is how I survive, and I'll do anything to survive and protect my cubs. And there's no negotiations, and there's no compromise. It is what it is, what it is, what it is, and that's what it is. And that's how it goes through its life, from birth to death. As we will see with an Adam, it's much more diverse. diverse, It's multifaceted and multidimensional. We're not even the same person from hour to hour, never mind from day to day. In the morning you're one person, and then at night you're another person. Then you see your kids, you're a third person. Then you meet your shviger, you're a fourth person. Then you meet your therapist, you're a fifth person. Etc. Then you before the coffee you're one person, after the coffee you're another person. Find the challenge you're depressed, after the challenge you're more depressed. <laughs> but animals don't have all these things, yeah. Animals are around, they know who they are, they never ask the question, Ayeka, who am I, who are you, Verbista, Verbistanish. Identity crisis doesn't happen, and that's essentially the power of the animal. It's one dimensional, this is who I am, and there's no change in that. Adam is already different. Adam is begematria ma, memhe, yutke vafke, that's oilam hatikun. Pchin is partsof. Partsof is the contrast to nekuda. Nekuda means every sphere is a point in and of itself. Partsof means there are structures. Partsof means an organism, structures, a full face. Partsof is a face. A full face is not just one dimension. There is a structure. The eyes are symmetrical with the nose. The nose is symmetrical with the mouth. Everything has, and they have the symmetrical with the ears, everything has its position, and they work with each other. The ear and the nose and the throat, right? You have the, they, they work with each other, they borrow from each other, they give each other. That's what we call the part of it. an organism, and an organism is not one cell, it's not one neuron, and it's not one chemical. You're dealing with 50 trillion cells that work together. But the Nakuda here is, yeah, he says that they have a Aris but the result of that is that there's parts of. What do we mean by parts of? Parts of means that the spheroids are not anymore each one on its own. Nakuda Zetachaza. But that's why you'll have the pictures in Sifri HaKabbalah where you have, as I mentioned, Chachma on the right, Bin on the left, Das in the middle, Chesed on the right. It's basically part of a body. In other words, they're integrated with each other. That's called parts of. Because you have there the light of what's known in Kabbalah as the new Shema. The connection between Adam and Ma, I said Adam is 45, Aleph Dalad Men. Ma is what is Ma? Ma is when you write out Hashem's name with Alephs, you have Memhe. In Kabbalah, Hashem has four names Shema, Shem Ban, Shem Sag, and Shem Av. 45, 52, 63, 72. Where do you get these names from? It's all different ways of spelling out Yud and He and Vav and He. That's why he says here, Shema Chadash B'milui Alfin. That's the key. How do you spell out He? I could spell He, He Aleph, He. I could spell it He, He. I could spell it He Yud. How do I spell Vav? Spell out Vav. 
I could do Vav Vav, I could do Vav Aleph Vav, I can do Vav Yud Vav. So when I write out Yud and then Hey and Vav and Hey, when I write it out, I can write it out in different ways. That will produce four different results in the numbers. If I do it with Alephs, I'm going to get 45. Yud will be Yud Vav Dalet is 20. Hey Aleph is 6, so it's 26. Vav Aleph Vav is 13, so it's basically 39. And then the last, hey Aleph, is another six of them, 39, I got 45. That's called Shem Havaya B'milui Alfen. I wrote out Yud Kevavke by filling in Alephs. Why am I saying filling in? Because usually when we write Yud Kevavke, we just write a Yud and a hey and a Vav and a hey. When you say it, you say hey, Vav, Yud. So that's called Milui. When you write out a word with its filling, its filling means that which is inside. When we spell a letter, a word, when we write out a word, we don't write Yud Vav Dal, just write a Yud. Right? When you write B or C, you don't write B, B E E. When you're writing about a B, a honey bee, so you'll write B E E. When you're writing the letter B, you just write B. When you write it with milui means you fill it. You 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 write also the filling. So when Yudke Vavke with the filling and you put in as a filling Aleph, you're gonna end up with what? Shema. Fos is on Aleph. So you have to know what an Aleph is. Why does Aleph produce Ma? If you write hey hey. Or hey yud or vav vav, you're going to end up with different numbers. You're going to end up with 63, 72, or 52. Shem ban, shem sag, shem av. It's clear what I'm saying. Or you're confused. It's clear, yeah. So shem ma is yud and hey and vav and hey. So he says, what's milli alfin? What's an aleph? An aleph is yud la'el, yud on top. What does an aleph look like? You remember the aleph? An aleph, you have a line in the middle. You have a yud on top, a yud on bottom. Yud la'el, yud la'sata, and vav be'em tzeisa. And you have a vav that goes diagonally in the middle of the aleph, and it connects the yud on top to the yud on the bottom. Hamachaber oisum lius bem pchinas iskalalus. The iker pchinas iskalalus is mitzah pchinas habitel. So whenever the vav, because the vav combines the aleph on top, the yud on top, and the yud on the bottom, therefore you have an aleph. So when yudke vavke has the alephs, so you have shema. So what's the produce? What does it produce? It produces an adam, not a behema. Adam represents the world of tikkun, where there is the world of iskalalus. And this it behooves me to share a story when the, the, the Alter Rebbe, the Balhatanya, had a son, he had three sons. His, his son who succeeded him as the second Rebbe of Chabad is known as the Mittel Rebbe, the middle Rebbe. His name was Reb Doiv Ber, and he was a son of the Balatanya. When he was a child, the Balatanya hired a Malamed, a teacher, to teach him Torah. So he comes into the, the he calls in the Malamed. And he tells him these words. Now, usually most of us would say, okay, you know, please teach my kid, and uh, this will be the salary, and that's it. But the way he conveyed it to him was with, uh, like everything by him, with understanding the system, how it works. The Torah says, V'shinantam you're not supposed to hire teachers. You're supposed to homeschool your kids. As I state in Krishna, V'shinantam levanach, it doesn't say send them to Cheder, and send them to Malamdim, and put them on a bus. It says, V'shinantam levanach, you're supposed to homeschool your children. There's a problem. The problem is, it costs some money to live in this world. So therefore, some people have to have jobs. and Some people get around it. But generally, some people need jobs. So therefore, we hire teachers for our children. Well, this system we all know, with its benefits and its consequences. And sometimes homeschooling becomes an important idea. So people think schools, schools, schools. Some children are not allowed to be in schools. The schools don't do them well. They're not allowed to be in schools. What the eight says, the eight says everybody has to figure it out. But sometimes homeschooling is pikuach nafesh. Not only midirabana, but also minatayra. 
So the Balatanya calls in this Malamit, and I'll say it in Yiddish the way he said it. He used to speak with a nigga. And he says, I have a mitzvah to teach my son Torah. You have a mitzvah to support your wife and children. Let's exchange mitzvahs. You will do my mitzvah, and I will do your mitzvah. In other words, you will teach my child, and I'll support your wife and children, and I'll give you the wage. So this Malamed was a smart man, which is, I guess, why he chose him. He was not dumb. So he understood there's an opportunity here. So he tells the Alter Rebbe, it's not a fair deal. Why not? He says, your side of the mitzvah is clear. It's called money. You've got to provide money for my family to live. My side of the mitzvah, you want me to educate your child. I have to know how to educate your child. It's not just money. I have to know how to educate your child. So the Alter Rebbe went into a dvekas for a few minutes. And then he came out of his, uh, so to speak, spiritual trance. And he says, the Alter Rebbe was a baby, a very, very young child. He says, The beginning of education is teaching them the Hebrew alphabet. So he says, the first thing we teach a child in Yiddishkeit is the letter Aleph. The letter Aleph. And then he says, he said with a nigan, and this nigan was preserved over the generations. So I'll tell it to you with the nigan, the way the Alter Rebbe said it to this Malamed. So he says, the Aschalos HaChinuch is Aleph. You start Chinuch with Aleph base. And in Aleph base itself, the first letter is Aleph. That means the first thing a Jewish child learns is Aleph. He said, Vos is an Aleph. What is an Aleph? Apin telefon eben, apin telefon unten, das is an Aleph. Ayud von eben, ayud von unten, akav von Yerushamayim be'emtza, das is an Aleph. In other words, what is an Aleph? You have a pintala, a yud on the top, like he says here. So in this mimer, he put it in when he told the Malamit, a yud above, a yud on the bottom, and you have a kav that connects. That kav, he said, is the kav of Yerushamayim. In other words, he was telling this Malamad, what I need my child to know is basically one thing. I need my child to know that there's a Yud above. I need my child to know that there's a Yud below. And I need my child to know that there's something that can connect the two Yuds and they will become one. Really, they're one. This is a Yud and this is a Yud. This is a Yud above. This is a Yud below. And the Kav of Yerushalayim will connect the two. This is what I want you to teach my child. This is what the Hadracha that he gave he gave them a lament. Or to put, it in, to put it in different words, basically to teach my child that he is divine. He is divine. He's a chelik alaykami mal. He's an extension of the divine. But he is the divine, the way it came down into this world with all of the troubles and challenges of this world. But he has the empowerment that every single moment there's a kav that could connect the yud below to the yud, to the yud above. To the yud above. What does then this mean? That Yudke Vafke Bemili Alfin has that ability to connect. Mechaber Oysam Lizbem Chinesis Kalulus. The Vav connects the Yud above and the Yud below. In other words, there's integration. The Iker Chinesis Kalulus and Mutsab Chinesis Abit. The primary source of integration, what creates his Kalulus from the word Klau, is Bittel. What do we mean, Bittel? The Hainu Chinesis Chlishus Haguf Hargosha Satsmusa. The weakness of the body. So you might think the Alter Rebbe is telling you what? 
You should be as weak as possible. He says, no, 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 I'll tell you what I mean, weakness and self-consciousness. means feeling of the self. Feeling of the self, which doesn't allow you to feel yourself in terms of a cloud. Because you're always feeling only yourself in every single situation. So you could never dance to the beat of life because you're always completely consumed by focusing on your own beat. So you could never enjoy the music that is around you, right? To give a simple example, uh, I was once giving a lecture somewhere, and there were like, it was a very big lecture, some big conference, like 3,000 people there, and somebody came late. And all the chairs were taken. There was only one chair that was available. Where? In the front row. You know that feeling? So you had to walk, right, all the way from the back to the front, because that was the only seat. So first he tried to run away, but then it becomes too late, right? So now he has to walk. So first of all, the whole crowd, whenever there's a speaker, people look for distractions, because to listen to a speaker is, <laughs> is a very difficult experience. So you'll notice somebody walks into a room and everyone turns away, right? The poor speaker doesn't know. He thought he was interesting. But uh, any slight distraction that allows people to move their attention away, they will seize, literally seize, mechalataykev. <laughs> If food, if food comes to the table, if somebody walks in, I mean, you could see it. Phone rings. Huh? Phone rings. Yeah, everyone is this, because basically they're just waiting for that, you know, they're just waiting for that hechitimtza. So first of all, the whole crowd is looking at the poor guy. Till he makes it to the top already, you could see, you could see what is going on in his mind, right? I also had to be giving a speech in the meantime. But I was just looking at the monster. And then he comes to the front. Now he has to take off his coat. He has to find a place for his coat. That was another problem. Then he has to sit down. And Baruch Hashem, he was a big guy, so there was no place. So he also had to fit himself in. Finally, finally, he sat down. I asked you a question. You think he could listen to a word I was saying? What it seemed to me is that for the next 35 minutes, all he was thinking was... What do they think of me? Why am I such an idiot? Why did I come late? I'm never coming late. Why am I late? Did I show it? Do I, do I look this way? Do I look that way? You can't complete. You can't be anywhere. Why can't you be anywhere? Because the only one who is everywhere is your feeling of how you're feeling at the moment. So you're not feeling life. You're feeling yourself in life. It's basically you're like a video machine who's watching yourself in every moment. You're not experiencing the moment. True. If you would be feeling yourself, you wouldn't be feeling yourself. If you would be feeling yourself, you wouldn't be feeling yourself. Yeah, You're thinking what other people, how they're judging you, how they're experiencing you, and that's how you're experiencing yourself also. Almost like on the outside. So Hargosha Satsmusa here means, what does Bittl mean? Bittl means that a person can actually let go. They could just be, they can just, they can just, they could just dance to the music, right? You could see sometimes at a wedding, dancing is very good for people. Because dancing... If you really dance, you, ha- you let go. So you can see sometimes a person knows how to dance. What do you mean knows how to dance? You can just let go. You can just dance. You can just be present. Some people, they just can't do it. They're very, very self-conscious with everything. So the bittle that we talk here about, and tick- I'm just giving examples, but the concept is the same concept. And that is that in Olam HaTikon, there's a certain sense of his skalalus that is felt that allows every midah to understand itself, not only in terms of feeling itself to an extreme, but also understanding and being sensitive to the fact that there's a reality taking place and I am part of that reality. And I don't have to crush 
and describe the reality only in vis-a-vis myself and my own experience of it. This bittle comes from what's known as the name of man This represents the light of moichin that comes in so that the midas have the element of seichel. The behema basically, I feel a midah, there's nothing else. This midah is experienced to its extreme. I, there's other midas, I don't have room for other midas. When the seichel is introduced, this is called ha'ares ha'moichim. So when you have ha'ares ha'moichim, what happens is, it allows the midah to be able to experience a certain bittel. Kamay shekasov, lefi sichlo yuhulal ish. The Pasuk says in Mishle Perikid Beis, a man will be praised according to his seichel. So this doesn't just mean based on your IQ. What he means is, what makes you an ish, a human being, versus a behema is, that the seichel can mitigate. The seichel can call for understanding of different perspectives. The seichel can appreciate diversity. And the seichel could say that you could go above yourself. You can go outside of yourself. You could look at something from a larger point of view, from a larger perspective. Which is as a result of which comes from Aleph, which is synthesis, which represents Adam, which represents the bittel of Ayin, of nothingness. So two opposites could come together, Chesed and Gvura. Because there's a light of the Ein Soiv that is actually revealed in Ma, which creates Bittel. tell us that Michal and Gavriel are opposites. Michal represents water, Gavriel represents fire. And yet we say, What's Miraimov? Miraimov means in his heights. Why do you have to make Shalom in Miraimov? I understand you have to make Shalom here. Why do you have to make peace in the heights? The answer is because Michal and Gavriel are also fighting. He's fire and he's water. Gavriel is fire, Gvura, Gavriel. And Michal is Mayim Chesed. How does Hashem make Shalom between them? The answer is because there's a sense of Oyrein Soif that is felt in Ma. And therefore, there could be peace because each one understands that there's more to reality than just my identity. I'm part of Ein Soif, but I'm not all of Ein Soif. And that's why we look at a physical person and we see, Since man down here comes from man up there, that a human being has the capacity to integrate opposites. He can integrate chesed and gvura, and they don't have to collide. Adam, who parts of shalit, Adam therefore represents a complete structure, a complete organism. Where there's integration, many different lines, many different components. It comes from shema, which represents which represents Adam. That's why the Zohar says, This is the secret. To integrate the left into the right. Whenever there's a shine 
of Shem Ma, which is Bittl, Shemeyer, B'midas, Chesod, Gvura. It shines in both of them. Then, V'yechoylem, L'yizkalel, L'yizkabra, Be'ez, Hofchem, Kanal. So then the opposites could come together. Oyster, Sholem, B'mraim, of La'achlola, Smola, B'yemina, the left and the right don't have to combat each other and kill each other where they become mutually exclusive. Why? Because they have the sense of Bittl, which allows them to be Ayin, and because of this state of Ayin, as he says, the state of Ayin allows them to be in a state of Iskalos. What is the point here? What is the point that Alter Rebbe the Balatanya is making to us? So one point he's making here is that there's a major <coughs> difference between Toyu and Tikkun. Both of them contain the energy of Hashem, no question. But in Toyu, ultimately there was an explosion, a break, a breakage, a shvira. And in Tikkun, that shvira is avoided. What's the key? What's the secret? There's something called Shema. Tikkun is created from Shema HaChadosh. Yudke Vavke B'mili Alfin. And since that is sensed in Tikkun, it changes the, it, it's a game changer. It changes the reality. What is this that Tikkun senses that, uh, that Toyu does not sense? In Toyu, in many ways, the divine energy is stronger than in Tikkun because it's not compromised. If you can be creative without limitations, so then your energy is much more powerful. And that's why who is stronger, an animal or a human being? We know that it's not worth it to fight in a dark alley with a lioness or with a cheetah, or with a tiger, or with even a bull. Because we know who's going to win. Unless you're Shimshon HaGibber, unless your name is Shimshon HaGibber, it's not going to work. So why is it that we could manipulate animals, but when it comes to one-on-one, they're much stronger than us. And that's the answer, because Olam HaToyu is much more powerful than Olam HaTikl. There is a ferociousness there. There is Utsma. Utsma, there is an intensity, a strength, that is represented by the animal physically and spiritually. And that is the world of Tayu. The world of Tikkun is a much calmer world. It's a placid world. It's a more diluted world. There's balance. Chesed has its limits. Gvura has its limits. You don't have that single-minded energy. And you'll even see it with people. You have people who are, you'll say, this guy is a powerhouse. He's a bulldozer. Don't get in his way. Huh? <laughs> yes, perhaps, perhaps the president. Uh, you don't just want to. You want. You don't want to get in. There. It's like a train, like a train coming. Yeah, either you get on the train or you stay away. <laughs> you don't do one of the two. Uh, I'm uh, I'm quoting somebody. There was a particular rabbi who came to a city, whom I know, and he's a very very strong person. So the local Jewish organization says you're not welcome here. So he said, let me make it clear. I'm a train. Okay. I'm coming, whether I'm welcome or not. The train arrives. You have a choice. The choice is either you get on the train, in other words, you join me, or go away. But if you're going to stay on the tracks, I'm going to run you over. <laughs> so you sometimes have this single minded, sometimes people go into business, they don't think about anything. There's nothing else in their life. Nothing. Workaholics to a point of infinity, mamish infinity. Right? They'll die in the process, but they're not going to stop. <laughs> They'll sacrifice everything. This is what I have to do to catch my prey. There's an utsmave, there's a very powerful intensity over there. But, ultimately, there's a shvira. Ultimately, yeah, you destroy. You destroy yourself, and you destroy others. Tikkun is a world of balance. Tikkun is a world of compromise. Tikkun is a world of uh, maturity. Tikkun is a world where you understand that things have to create space for other things. There's chesed, and that's true. 
and there's Gvuren, that's also true. And there's Tiferes, and that's also true. And there's Chachma, and that's also true. And I may have a unique gift, but even within myself, I have to be able to negotiate and be able to create space for this, be able to allow paradoxes to live together. At the surface, Tikkun is inferior to Toyu in the sense that it's a compromise. Yeah, it's called Shalom bias. <laughs> it's called Shalom bias. Yeah, you can't say whatever you want to say, and you can't be whatever you want to be, and you can't do whatever you want to do. That's the difference between a Bacher. You're a bacher, right? You want to be up a whole night? You want to be out there all be? You want to go away for three months and nobody, you don't have to tell anybody? It's fine. Once you get married, there's something called negotiations. It's like countries negotiating with each other. You have to make treaties and everyone has to cede territory. <laughs> it's the art of compromise. The art of compromise is an art, but on some level it seems like a boring art, a dull art. It's basically a necessity to survive with conflicting char- characters and personalities. And that's basically what political science is all about. How do you do it with nations? How do you do it with countries? How do you do it with communities? How do you do it with families? How do you do it with spouses? This is the art of compromise. But essentially what he's saying here is that there's something deeper. And that is that there's a certain erring soif that is felt in Tikkun that is not felt in Toyo. You see... Everybody comes from the Ein Soif. But the difference is, Toyu translates the Ein Soif into its own self-consciousness. And Tikkun has a bitl to the Ein Soif that transcends it. In other words, you understood what I just said? In Toyu, you confuse God with the vehicle that you're using to express God. You take the Ein Soif of God, and since I'm Chesed, so my Chesed now becomes Ein Soif. Because my Chesed represents Hashem, so I confuse the vehicle of God with God. And therefore, I have no room for anybody else. How can I create room for anybody else when this is God? There's no other truth. This is truth. Everything else is a lie. And therefore, there's a shmirah because you say that this is truth and everything else is a lie. In Tikkun, there's a sensitivity to the fact that Chesed is not Ein Saif. And Gvur is not Ein Saif. And Tiferes is not Ein Saif. Each one is an expression of a certain dimension of Ein Saif. We go back to the limbs of a body. Imagine the, the liver would get upset at the pancreas, or the heart would get upset at the brain and say, why can't you be like me? Why can't you? There's, there's no room for diversity. Everyone has to do the same thing. We know what's going to happen to the body. The body can't function for a moment. It's called death. The entire beauty of the body is that the diversity contributes to the holistic miracle that we call life. The liver does what the liver does. And the pancreas functions as a pancreas, hopefully. And the kidneys as kidneys. And the heart as a heart. And the diaphragm. And every limb and organ functioning uniquely, but appreciating the fact, I am part of the body. I am part of life. I'm not all of life. Nobody is all of life. I'm part of life. And I have to express life through my own vehicle. But for me to live fully, I also need you. And you need me. This is what we call symmetry. This is called mm-hmm. harmony. This is called um, uh, when you have uh, when you have music. You don't have one note. You have many notes. That's the beauty of a song. If you have one note, you have no song. You have one note. You have consistency, but you have no song. Or if one note wants to be the other note. Exactly. Each note has its indispensable contribution. So this is back to the jigsaw puzzle. No two pieces can be identical. If all pieces are identical. You can't have the picture that is created by the puzzle. You'll never have it. You'll just have the same piece near each other. Precisely by pieces being different, each one contributing 
part of the picture, knowing that the full picture I can only have through you. And you could have the full picture through me. Together we recreate the whole picture. That's why in Parshas Bereshis, who is created but Salamalakim? Zachar Unakeva Boram Vayikrashmam Adam. Adam is not one person. Adam is always two people. And yet Adam, you can't say in Lashon Rabbim. How do you say Adam in plural? You can't. Adamim, Goylamim, Adamais. There's no Lashon Rabbim. Ish Anoshim. Isha Noshim. Behaima, Behaimas. Yeah? You ever heard that one? Chaya, Chayas. Adam, how do you say Adam Lashon Rabbim? And yet... When is Adam called Adam? Zachur Nekeva Baram Vayikra Shmam Adam. That's the Chiddush of Adam. It's a Lashin Yachid, but it's always two. So how does it become a Yachid? It's not a Yachid. Fakaret, Ish is one. Adam is two. And that's Lashin Yachid. Because that's the uniqueness of Adam. What Adam recognizes is that you being you doesn't take away from me being me. On the contrary, it allows me to be fully me by you being fully you. So therefore, you and I really create one larger holistic entity which we call the family structure, Adam and Chava, the husband and the wife, who together create something larger than each of them could create on their own. But what if the Ish says, no, 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 I am the only one, there's no place for anything else. My mind, my heart, my emotions. And the woman says the same thing, so basically you have Shor Shonagachasapara. <laughs> Quite literally. Quite literally, and sometimes the par is also negeach back, and then it becomes pretty lebedic. That's basically what happens. Or you have another mesechta called shnayim meichzim betalis. Same ice. Zayim animitzasiyah, zayim akulashuli, zayim akulashuli, and that's the rest of the story. Huh? Divorce court. Then you get to a isha, then you have a maybe get me medina sayam. That's the next step. Or the step before, whatever it is. But, uh, but, so, so this is the uniqueness of Adam. The Adam, who, where does the Adam get this from? The Adam gets this from, this is what's called Bittl. Bittl doesn't mean I don't exist. Bittl means my existence is part of something larger. So there's a sense of Ein Saif that's felt in Tikkun and therefore I have a certain respect. I have a certain Derecheret. Hargosha Satsmuse means... I'm not only self-conscious in terms of the only thing I can experience is what I'm feeling at the moment. So Toyu, in a paradoxical way, has much more divine energy, but it becomes somewhat narcissistic. And when you have two narcissists living in the same world, one has to go. One has to go. Because for the narcissist, the world is a mirror. Everybody is a mirror. I don't see anybody, I just see me. And we know that there's such people who live that way. They're talking to you. They're just waiting for you to finish so they could continue. They may wait for you to finish because they learn how to be civil because part of being a good narcissist is getting your way. And in order to get your way, you have to be civil. But it's all a heksha mitzvah for narcissism. So I'll let you finish talking so just I should be able to prove you wrong. There's no real listening. The concept of listening requires the sensitivity that there's something actually to listen to. There's actually something to listen to. Do you really even know how to listen? Some people don't know how to listen, especially when their wife talks to them. 
What are you going to say already? Oh, I know who you are already. You're the Meshuggah. There's nothing to listen to. I just listen to show you that you're a Meshuggah. That's it. That's the whole thing. I'm listening because I'm not listening. The whole point of listening is to make sure that I don't listen. You understand? It's not just I don't listen. I listen in order to make sure that I don't listen. In order to prove to myself that there's nothing to listen to. And to prove to you that there's nothing to listen to. The art of listening is really a very deep art. It recognizes the truth that there's a whole truth outside of yourself that you actually have to listen to. And if you don't listen, you won't even be aware of it. You could remain completely clueless. That's the bittle we're talking here about. And it's rooted in a sensitivity to the fact that truth is larger than anybody's imagination. And this doesn't negate the depth of your imagination and your creativity and your individuality. Just like the violinist who's playing the violin during the symphony or the cello or the piano or the drum. The violinist doesn't get angry at the guitarist or the one who's playing the harp and says, why can't you just play a violin? On the contrary, the conductor is the one who appreciates the fact that every orchestra, every instrument contributes something very special to the flavor, to the taste to the sense of ecstasy, because we play different instruments. On the contrary, we understand that the music is larger than any one instrument. The violin captures the zeitgeist of the ballad through its unique, um, um, through its unique uh, tone. Very good. And the drum, of course, captures it in a different way. But each one, in the right rhythm and the right beat, contributes to it. You need a lamnatseach. You need a menatseach, as it's called, a conductor who has that mind that the <coughs> conductor never says a word. Did you ever realize? The conductor, a machmed hand, a schreit, a springt, a hakt. You ever saw a conductor? He runs, he jumps, he sweats. He's, he doesn't say a word. A word for three hours doesn't say a word. That's why, because he doesn't say a word, he can capture the larger picture. Because he's silent. If he starts singing, then he's already taking sides. His silence allows him to be a vehicle for all of the various uh, all of the various instruments to come together. That's a dogma of the world of Tikkun. This is where Adam begins. This is Shema. This is the Bittal. This is the Ayin he talks about. He says once that you have to become Ayin. Ayin means I have to open myself up to a state of nothingness where the various forces can be integrated. So Adam operates in partsufim, always in organisms, superorganisms, larger organisms. And Toyu operates always is, I do it on my own. <laughs> I don't delegate. I never delegate. Toyu does not delegate because this tipish will never do it as well as I do. Right? You'll not even delegate somebody to make a copy for you because the guy will make it wrong and crooked and this. And you know what? You're probably right too. There's a problem with... with Tikkun takes a lot of compromise. It takes a lot of bitl. It's not easy. In many ways, it's much easier to live yourself. <laughs> To live yourself, or at least make believe you're living yourself. There's an advantage to it. And as we're learning here, there's even a spiritual advantage to it in the spiritual worlds because there's a certain very powerful energy. Yeah. I'm saying that t- tell you the, the physical world by definition is tell you the physical world. Now, I can't put two objects in the same place. Right. The definition of physicality is a product of toyu. And that's why Gashmias is toyfus its own makam. Nothing, I cannot put anything in this tissue box. Ideas can merge. Emotions can merge. Souls can merge. 
physicality occupies its own space and nothing can occupy my space if I'm Agayim. I'm sitting in this chair, you can't sit in this chair. We cannot merge into one if we only relate to our Gashmias. Impossible. Because by definition, Gashmias is a product of the conception of Tayyub. Not only that, that is his definition of existence. The definition of the existence of Gashmias is, to use philosophical terms of Jewish Chira, is nisht asedavzayim. So asi is. The definition of Gashmias is what makes it exist, not that it has to be here, that it's here. The definition of Ruchni is what makes it exist, not that it's here, I don't know that it's here, it has to be here. It's a different definition of existence. The definition of Ruchni's existence is it has to be here. It ought to be here. I actually don't know if it's here. We can argue a whole life about it, but it has to be here. The definition of Gashmias is, doesn't have to be here. Nothing has to be here. It is! I'm here. You like it? I told you, I'm a train. You like it? Good. I'm here. And I don't argue about it. I don't have to justify myself. Now, there's something very powerful about it. It's primal. There's something very real, very authentic about it. I am. That's it. And no one takes my space. Why does nobody take my space? Because if you take my space, it's suicide. The definition of my existence is that I'm here, not that I have to be here. But if the definition of your existence is that you have to be here, then you don't have to take up space. Because not having space doesn't compromise your existence. In Gashmi, is not having space destroys your existence. That is the definition of my existence. That's why he says the physical reality is Toyu. It's a manifestation of the world of Toyu. That's what it is. And that's why we're always operating in the world of Toyu. We don't operate in a world of Tikkun, in an idealistic world. We operate in the world of Toyu. Everything is a combination of the two. Tikkun is implanted in the world of Toyu. So we have the part of us that's an Adam. And that's like the, 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 the concept of structures and organisms and, and, and integration and synthesis. But this Adam is working with a physical reality that is always a product of Toyu. And that's why he calls the bitl, he calls it chlishas haguf. What does he mean chlishas haguf? Not that you have weak muscles. Hargashas hatzmusay, that sense of self-consciousness that Gashmis has in a very powerful way. Not, not only not only accepts taken, he, he has to accept Tayyip Of course. Part of accepting is you accept Tayyip as well. And as we shall see, you also accept that Tayyip has something to teach you. Tayyip does have something that Tikkun needs to learn because Tayyip has a fire in its belly that Tikkun often loses. That's why you have to connect to your body, you have to connect to the physical because there's something very uh, crude about it that makes it also very powerful, very ferocious. It doesn't create room for anything else. That's why the world is a world of Tikkun. It has to be a world of Tikkun. But the world of Tikkun is filled with energies of Toyu, with, with realities of Toyu, with perspectives of Toyu. So in many ways, if you'll ask, what was the revolution of Parshas Bereshis, of Adam and Chava, that the animals didn't have? Why is Adam the one giving names to all the animals? So it says, Kibitzelem elikim osesa Adam. Hashem creates man in his image. And now the real question is, doesn't it say, Hashem doesn't have an image. So how do we say man was created in God's image? The whole Torah, Moshe admonishes the Jewish people, lest you create an image of God, he has no image. But suddenly Parshas Bereshah says, of course God has an image, in fact we're all created in his image. So different Mepharshim struggle with this already. Rashi and Rambam and Rishonim. How do you explain Kibitzelem Elikim Asas Adam? Where did Elikim suddenly have a Tzelem? 
Of course, the Bible critics have a field day with this, because if you have a hundred authors, or you have ten authors, or you have seven authors, so they don't have to be consistent with each other. But that comes from a superficial reading, not understanding nuance or, or depth. You just say, two things don't work out for you, so you say it's different authors. That's like how Toyo operates. <laughs> if you can't make sense of two things, it has two authors. P and then M and S, whatever it is. Lenny, you dealt with this? I heard a lot about it. Yeah. Yes, I, I thought so. So, uh, so, so that's that's one perspective, but that's you know it's, it's very superficial. But the truth is that this is really conveying an extremely profound idea. Kibitzelam elikim asas adam basically means that uh, what adam did he make kibitzelam elikim? Not one adam, zacher and akeva. So listen to this. B'tselem elakim asa esa adam. Adam is lashon yachid, but it's always zacher nekeva baram vayikrishma adam. He created masculine and feminine male and made them both adam. He makes them adam, and then he says zacher nekeva bara oisai. He even calls oisai zacher nekeva together, even though lechayda lashon zacher. So what is the meaning of this? The meaning of this is the adam is b'tselem elakim. Because the Adam cannot be defined by one image. That's exactly the point. It's by Zachar and Akeva. It's the space that I create for you and the space that you create for me where we become B'Tselem Alakim. In many ways, if you want, you could sum up all of history as a battle between Toyo and Tikkun. If I were to ask, I said this at the NSA, National Security Agency, when I spoke there a few years ago, I said to them this, if you, I could sum up, if you, I could ask you a question, what is the reason for every war? From the beginning of history, okay, so of course there's different reasons, you know, it could be territory and it could be family, etc. Why did Cain kill Hevel? Chazal don't even know, they have three different reasons. One is it was over a girl, that's what Rashi says, right? Romeo and Juliet is one cause of death. Another reason is, why did Cain kill Hevel? Chazal say over the Beis HaMiktosh, in other words, religion. <laughs> God, who's God? Cain said the base of is by me. And a third reason, it says territory. Cain said the world belongs to me. And uh, get out of my world. Basically, the three sources of conflict. Relationships, territory, and religion. Mervainiker. Ah, money? <laughs> really? People fight about money? Okay. That's usually territory. A lot more. But I'm saying you could sum it up. But I want to, go, I want to make even a bigger clown. And that is, all sources of violence, bloodshed, conflict, is one notion. The notion is, because you're different than me, therefore you must be inferior to me. What does different mean? Different me could mean a different tribe, a different religion, a different family, a different country, a different set of values. But because you're different than me, you must be inferior to me. And if you're inferior to me, I mistreat you. How I mistreat you? Some people will enslave you, some people will murder you, some people will abuse you, some people will disregard you, and some people will crush you. That depends on how benign they are. But the common denominator is, you don't look like me, you're not like me. It may be the color of your skin. It may be your race. It may be your tribe. It may be your ethnic background. It may be your religious beliefs. It may be your nation, whatever it is, but it's not me. You don't have my color. My, my disposition, therefore you're inferior to me. What did Chumash Bereshis come and say? Man was created in God's image. What does that mean in simple English? It means this. I look at you and I say, 
You're not in my image. You're not in my image. You're not in my image. No, you don't share my race. You don't share my beliefs. You don't share my color. You don't. You don't. You're not in my image. But you're in God's image. I'm not in your image, but I'm in God's image. Now I ask the question: If we have opposite images, how can we both be in God's image? The answer is because God has no image. If God would have an image, then to be divine, you have to have an image. That's the whole Kiddush. What is an Adam? An Adam is not one image. An Adam is the space we create for a diversity of images. How could that happen? Because it's B'Tselem Elikim. If Hashem would have an image, if Hashem was yellow or orange, then the color orange or yellow would be reflective of truth. If you're not yellow or orange, and you're not ready to convert to yellow or orange, get out of my life. B'Tselem Elikim Adam. You're not in my image, and I'm not in your image. But you're in God's image. In other words, the revolution of Torah was that we encounter God in the face of a stranger. We don't encounter God in our own face. I encounter God when I look at your face, and you encounter God when you look at my face. We encounter God when we have the courage to look into the face of the one who is not my face. It's in the face of the one who looks different than me where I find God. And it's in the face of somebody who looks different than you where you find God. You find the Adam who creates space for the opposite, what he calls the Shnei HaFachim, because it's B'Tselem Aleikim, who's Ein Saif, and therefore the imageless God can be expressed through infinite images. So very often, when we turn, one of the mistakes we often make is, we force God to look a certain way, and we force everybody to look a certain way. It's not coming because we believe in God, it's coming because we actually believe God is so small. And because He's so small, if anybody's going to look a little different, oy, 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 you're going away from God. People who understand that God is ain't soif appreciate diversity. They don't only not shun it, nor do they don't only tolerate it, they celebrate it. There are three perspectives today, even in religious communities, with, with individuality. Because people can't deny it anymore. For many years they tried to deny that there's a concept called individuality. But now it's not working because there's too many of them. (laughs) (laughs) And and the therapists are reporting that there's too many individuals coming into their offices. So what do you do? So there's now three approaches. One is you shun it. You you, you shun it, you abuse it, you show this is not tolerated. Another one is the more moderate people tolerate it. It's like nebach. Nebach, you have somebody in your family who's an individual, I'm sorry, I feel bad for you, I'll make a Mishaberach on Shabbos. But there's a third approach, and that is you celebrate it. You don't shun it, and you don't tolerate it. You celebrate it, you cherish it, you're like, wow, that's awesome. What are these three approaches based on? They're not based on small things, they're based on very deep conceptions of how you see reality. And it really is a conception of how you understand God. The more you appreciate the ain't soif of the divine, the more you appreciate that individuality is not something to be tolerated, it's something to be celebrated. Because it's precisely in the image that is not mine that I will be able to connect to infinity. And it's precisely in the image that is not you that you will be able to connect to infinity. Mayor. I want to share with you, I got an email yesterday from somebody who heard this shear.
and they wrote me an email with some very, I thought, very uh, profound and moving uh, insight, summing up what we, uh, how they understood what we learned. I want to read you a few parts of the email of this person. You spoke about the animal versus the human being, the animal being of one dimension and completely focused on that dimension, ferociously powerful, and without negotiations and without multiple dimensions of their personality, its nature is very, very powerful. This describes to me what primal existence is, and it explained to me something that I saw all my life and I never understood. I loved watching, I love watching animals in the wild, in the jungles, not in the zoo. In the zoo, they're stifled. But when I watch animals in the wild, in their own habitat, their life force is unbelievably strong. Their, concent- their concentration, their ferociousness, their intensity, and their alertness is unbelievable. I found that it always <coughs> stirs up in me strong, primal feelings in myself, feelings of in- invincibility. They intensify my own drive to hold on to life with all my might and to fight and fight and fight much harder, to love with more abandon, to pursue my dreams without any inhibitions. These bring up very primal instincts, emotions in me, that for me and for many I think are a little embarrassing. It's like when somebody, I hear somebody tell somebody else, I'm going to break every bone in your body. And I have to say that as ugly as it sounds, it stirs up something very positive in me. Because I feel like this person is in touch with their power. And they're in touch with every bone in their body. And I'm going to break every bone in your body. But us sophisticated people have been taught you don't speak like this. And because we have been taught you don't speak like this, none of us know about our primal emotions. None of us really know who we are anymore. Everything is convoluted. And everything is diluted and compromised so it should sound good. Everything has to sound civil. Everything has to fit into everybody's else everybody else's structure. But when I look at the jungle, somehow I find a deeper self within me. There's something about that, those animals that are very refreshing. They're very, very alive. And these emotions come to the surface. And suddenly now, in this Maimer, it opens up a new world to me. Because what I'm learning from the Balatanya is that you're allowed to allow for these emotions. You're allowed to make space for them. You're allowed to caress them. However... It's very, very scary. So in our world, we all became Tikkun-like. But what happens is, in that process, we lose much of our personality because we detach from our primal selves. It's so scary to go into the world of Toyu, so we suppress it. And when we do that, we suppress the primary part of us, the part that creates our personality, our uniqueness, our power, and our individuality. When you're not afraid because your primal drives don't define you, then the tikkun can actually sublimate the toyu and it can become the steering wheel that drives all those primal forces in the directions we value. So I would say that what the Baal is teaching here is that the primal has to be the fuel that drives the car. Without the right fuel that drives the car, the car will go nowhere. You won't move. It will be a lifeless car. True. Never give the steering wheel to toyu. Never give the steering wheel to the primal self because he will collide with everybody and everything, and destroy everybody, and break every bone in your body. But if you put it in the right place, it becomes invaluable because it allows us to connect to ourselves and to the divine in a way unknown to people who aren't willing to go there. So most of us choose two extremes in life. 
Some end up in the world of toihu, where they're very focused on their primal emotions, and they often live very destructive and irresponsible lives. The rest of us run away into the world of tikkun, where everything is where everything is diplomacy, everything is compromised, everything looks good, and everything is diluted. But I wonder if really we're doing the opposite. By not making place for our primal existence, send them my love. I wonder if by not by not making place for our primal existence in us, by suppressing and denying it, actually, Toyu has much more power over us in the end. Because when you suppress it, it actually has much more control over you because you're not aware of it. Sometimes because we don't allow our Toyu to be, it becomes so ferocious and intense, it haunts us, it overtakes us, and it creates destruction beyond belief because we did not learn to identify it. I also learned something else from the Alter Rebbe, and that is you're allowed to be in touch with all of your emotions. What I often learned growing up is that some emotions I'm never allowed to feel. So what if I have those emotions? I have to make believe I don't. What I learned in these Maimarim is, no, I can approach God with all of me. It doesn't mean I worship my emotions. I'm allowed to experience everything that's happening in me. I could show up to God with my full self. No emotion has to be ignored. Every emotion is part of my journey. So this is the balance of Toyo and Tikkun. An artist, deep, an artist paints his painting, and he's totally one with his painting. But from time to time, he has to move away from being one with his painting and look at his painting from a distance, from the perspective of how the whole painting looks to him and to others who are going to look at it. Does the painting reflect the time, the day, the mood, the milieu, the messages that he wants to convey? A real artist, when he paints a painting, the passion is fueled by toihu. There's nothing else going on. He has to be so focused on the painting, nothing else exists. But to be able to sell his painting... He needs to switch to a tikkun mode. He has to move back and become an objective critique, an objective um, a critic. A critic of his own painting. He has to make place to see how other people are going to view his paintings, how the New York Times is going to review it, how it's going to be sold in the art galleries. He has to interrupt his oneness with his painting. He has to interrupt his intensity by looking at it from a larger perspective. He has to live in his reality, but then he has to visit other people's possible realities, how they view his painting. Not sure any of this makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with everything except the last part. The last part, the last part with the, that he has to do anything the way others want, yeah. In the back seat, yeah. Yes, 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 yes. You want, you want I should sue them for stealing my I gave that example that the steering wheel, even if you have a backseat driver, he doesn't have to have the steering wheel. We all have backseat drivers. Take the light, take the light, take the light. I don't have to give them this. Don't listen to ways. What do they know? I know better, right? Every Jew knows better than GPS. But you don't have to give them the steering wheel. So I thought that this was extremely, extremely insightful and penetrating to really capture at least some of the components that are being conveyed here. I also always have that feeling in the jungle. There's something about uh, animals in their natural habitat that is very, very uh, intriguing and very enticing. And in very, we learn a lot from them. There's something, there's, there's something that you learn from them. It resonates. It resonates. And the more animalistic, the more primal, the more beastly, the more it resonates. 
because it's very real. There's no lies in the jungle. And in many ways, Toyhu doesn't lie. It's real, and because it's real, it's extreme. And because it's extreme, it can be very destructive. And that's why Hashem doesn't begin the world with Tikkun. He could begin with Tikkun. Tikkun is very balanced. Tikkun is the way to go. Tikkun is Shalom Bayis. Tikkun is Bittl. Tikkun is sensitivity. Tikkun is respect. Tikkun is cooperation. It's all the virtues. It's all the virtues, what Nietzsche would call slave virtues. All the virtues for a good society that we tell our children cooperation, respect, derech eretz, listen to another person's view, and it's really the basis of a civil society, right? It's the basis of a civil society. There's a cloud, there's a bigger picture. On the other hand, it all follows Toyu. It all begins with Toyu. And Toyu destroys itself. But that's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with Toyu. And then he rebuilds Tikkun. Now, Emma says, the Maimah says that Tikkun has something that Toyu doesn't have. Tikkun has something of the Ein Saif. In other words, Tikkun is not just uh, a spineless, uh, defenseless, uh, pathetic, apologetic uh, creature who has nothing and therefore, shine, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Tikkun has, Tikkun touches a depth that Toyu doesn't touch. Real Tikkun. Real Tikkun touches a depth that Toyu doesn't touch. But Toyu touches a depth. Huh? Ain't safe, what we spoke yesterday, you remember? But Salam Alikim Asa Adam. The bittle comes from the recognition of infinity. You remember what we spoke, but Salam Alikim? That we're but Salam Alikim because we don't remain fixed in our image. So it's actually something that's deeper than Toyu. But Toyu is part of a Toyu is a major part of the process. And the 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 the, the rule of the game is never to never ignore Toyu. Sublimate it. Why? Because it will take you to places that you could never go on your own. Do you think Goel Adam is a, was a mechanism for Hashem to let out Toho? Perhaps. The Goel Adam is an interesting phenomenon in Allah. For Isa Bashivi Eishu Sifas Toya. The Chashak Tovo. Dibra Toya can negate Sahara. When war, I mean, war is a jungle. Yeah, is. War, war yeah. is a jungle yeah. emotionally. Besides, sure, uh, besides Vietnam, uh, we have Any some people here. Risk, there's some people in the room who are veterans. Once you see certain levels of death and blood, you go into a different space that many of us sheltered American brats don't even begin to appreciate. You know. That last point you made though is very important. Uh, Tikkun is not a pshara. Right. We tend to think of it as a pshara. Right. It's transcendent. Like everything, there could be a tikkun that it... Uh, the word compromise could be understood as, you know, I'm personality-less, so to speak. Tikkun really comes from a deep, deep maturity and strength. But like everything, tikkun could be misconstrued. Like we spoke about Yehuda and Yosef. Everything could be misconstrued. Just like Toyo could be destructive... Tikkun has its own uh, its own destructive components, right? And that is when you encourage people to have no individuality, no personality, no emotions. You just become a perfect robot. We call it in agriculture bonzi trees. You know what bonzi trees are? Bonzi, yeah, you're planting a tree. The problem is trees have weeds, trees have thorns, trees trees attract. It, it's, it, trees have problems. So what do you do? You weed out every possible problem to the tree to a point that you create a perfect, perfect model. 
and you look at it, and it's completely perfect. There's only one problem. It's fake. <laughs> There's nothing real about it. Sometimes you have perfect people, or perfect families. Anybody here has a perfect family? <laughs> it's perfect. You go to a Hanukkah party, you go to a Shabbos table, and people come and they go, oh, this is the perfect family. The volume, how the husband speaks, the volume, the dvar Everyone has a dvar always. They, they, they wake up with it. They wake up with the dvar It's like, like Shabbos tables are perfect, right? So that's wonderful. Bonzi trees are also perfect. There's only sometimes an issue. And the issue is how much do you have to cut out in order to create the perfect tree, you know? So, so it's important to understand that. So sometimes things that are perfect are also dead. By the way, corpses could also be perfect. But human beings are not. So that's where, like everything, it can be misconstrued. So the animals are powerful because nobody ever told you what to do. It's, it's, it is. If you take a child and leave it alone and let it grow by itself, yeah. I think in the 20s they found two girls that were growing up, growing up with wolves. Right? Somewhere really? in the States. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. They were growing up with wolves. And they behaved like that. They were lost and they were abandoned. It's a whole mice, yeah. They grew up with the wolves. Jungle kids, huh? Yeah. It also gives us a new abode. It also gives us a new abode in the sense that we try to bring people together, our adversaries together, what Shazam is doing all day. If we could empower people, whether it's our kids, our families, our friends, to realize that it's not a sign of weakness, but it's actually a sign of strength, that it's not... That his kalos is, is a much higher level right. than just shara or you know right. shalom. Right, right, right. In Mesechta Sanhedrin, the Avav is a machlokes hatanoim. If a bezdin should seek pshara, or should seek not pshara, one shit is Yaakov hadine sahar. Let the halacha bend the mountain. I don't care if there's a mountain. I don't care if the guy is going to hate me and everybody else. This is truth. That you start off with a pshara. Every bezdom will first offer uh, compromise, even though compromise by definition means there's no right and wrong. And often there is right and wrong. He's right and he's wrong. Pshara by definition means we want everybody to be happy. Uh, Or nobody to be happy. happy. That depends on the disposition. Probably also depends on who makes the pshara. So at one level you say, this is how humans are, you know, we're weak, so we make pshadas. The Kotzke Rebbe used to say, classic Kotzke, he used to say, who goes, remember there were no three, four cars. So you had roads, he says, who goes in the center of the road? He says, always horses. He says, horses, fed gain in mitten gas, he says. Menschen gain rechts of the links. People, you go right, you go left. Nobody go, who goes in the center? It's the Kotzke Rebbe says, he says, fed gain in mitten gas. That's, they always walk in the center. He says, they don't wave. He says, when you find such people, he says, and this mentions a felt. That's what he said. Now you'll open up a Rambam Hilchis Deis, and the Rambam will say, Derechem, Tsoyis, that's the way to go. People who go right are not good, and people who go left are not good. Don't be too stingy, and don't be a big spender, don't be overly happy, and don't be overly depressed. The Rambam has a whole thing, Derechachachem, Derechem, Tsoyis. No? The Katskat Nishkevuz, the Rambam Hilchis Deis. The pshat is, I think, there's two types of going in the middle of the road. There's going in the middle because you're weak and you don't want to take a position. And then there's going in the middle because you're so large that you have space for paradox in your mind. That's a different type of derechem tzayis. One comes from a space of deep mediocrity and really not wanting to take a position. You know, they say that um, 
there was once a Rav, not a Rav, uh, a, a, a Rav, who uh, was a Dintaida. So uh, in the middle of the Dintaida, somebody gave him an envelope under the table. So he takes the envelope, and he makes sure there's uh, what he needs over there, and uh, suddenly, you know, the Dintaida starts gravitating in another direction, and the one who gave him the, the bribe wins. So the, his opponent comes to him and says, Rebbe, I saw everything that happened. Now, I understand that you're for sale. Most people are for sale. I understand. But if I'm not mistaken, he gave you $5,000. A big rabbi like you, I would expect that minimum would be $200,000 to buy your soul, to sell your soul for $5,000 a pasnash. So he says, you're asking a good child, and I'll be honest with you. He says, Ich hab schon verkauft meine Schamme 30 Jahrzehnte für ein Million Dollar. I already sold my soul 30 years ago for a million dollars. Now everything is just revach naki. <laughs> everything now is just profits. I'm a fakoyft in a shamet. That happened years ago for a nice amount of money. Now it's just, you know, the interest, the interest adds up. Ich bin a fakoyft in a shamet. Okay, it's a bishtikal madrega. A person should be able to acknowledge that. I am a sold soul. I don't belong to myself anymore. It would be nice if people would have be able to have a sign on their desk. Just know all advice you're going to be getting at this table. It's from a Doesn't everybody have a price? Isn't that universal? Just a question of how much. It's not if you got to serve somebody. Uh, I'm not sure everybody has a price, but a lot of people have a price. A lot of people have a price. That's what I think. Every person has a breaking point. Yeah, 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 yeah. The truth is, we were once Shabbos sitting in my house, and one of my boys, a sharp kid, he says, Tati, somebody comes to you and says, I'll give you $25 million if you sign this document on Shabbos. Would you sign or not sign? So I told him I wouldn't sign. He says, I don't believe you. (laughs) He says, you're stupid if you don't sign. $25 million. He says, you can go do Shabbos for the rest uh, of your life. Just, just sign once. That's what he says. He says, I don't believe you. I don't believe you, you wouldn't sign. So I told him, I thought about it for a few seconds. And then I said, let me ask you a question. Somebody came to me and says, he wants to buy you from me for $25 billion. But you don't belong to my family anymore. You're his. Maybe he'll let me visit once in ten years. You, you think Tati would do it for twenty-five billion dollars? So, so Baruch Hashem, he said no. I said, and do you think Tati would have to debate it in his mind for a few days? Yes or no? Or it would be right away no? He said it would be right away no. So I said, why not? Why shouldn't I debate it? Twenty-five billion dollars is a nice sum of money. Is it Shaivavi or Toyo? Which Shaivavim or the Toyo? Huh? Shaivavim un Toyo. Or Shvira Sakela, which one? So I say, why do you think I don't have to think about it? So he says, because some things are priceless. Because some things are priceless. It's not, is it 25 billion or maybe 30 billion or 20 but It doesn't, you can't buy a child for money. Even 300 billion. It's not, it's not something that, that relates to price. So I said, and Shabbos is the same thing. Shabbos is also priceless. 
It's not an issue if Shabbos is worth a million or 20 million. You're right. If you go into the world of money, there's some things in life that are priceless. Certain relationships are priceless. Certain truths that are priceless. Certain truths. Truth is priceless. Real truth is priceless. If it's not real truth, then it has a price. I mean, that's the question. It's an old joke. I don't know. <laughs> they say there was once a guy, they say there was once a rabbi, and then uh, he becomes deaf. When he got old, he became deaf. So his wife tells him, I don't know, you took shoichet your whole life. You should have beco- she tells her husband, you should have become blind, not deaf. So he says, I only got promises for shoichet. I only, I only heard the money. I never saw the money. So I got deaf, not blind. Okay. Huh? Like, hey, this fine. Anyway, you get the point. I'm in the middle of the road then. No. To reconcile. Rama understood that everybody is either on the right or the left. He's saying you should try and get to the middle. Because he's saying if you think you're in the middle, then you're then you're that's where you went wrong. Then you're a horse. If you think you're in the middle. If you think you're in the middle. Yeah. But, right. But, no, I understand. But the question is what pushing away means. There's suppressing and there's pushing away. Pushing away doesn't mean... change it into... Right, but I don't have to be ashamed. Yeah, but if, if what happens is I deny that it exists, then I'm not serving Hashem with my full reality. It's part of my journey. Sometimes I have to say, no, that's fine. Conquering and retreating. Yeah. You could show up fully. In other words, let, you don't have to get scared of it. You don't have to turn yourself into a hopeless loser and call yourself horrible names because you haven't and therefore spend the rest of your life making believe you don't or becoming disillusioned and throwing everything away because I'm going to be true to myself. You understand? That's the extreme that this person is, is, is dealing with. Either I throw everything away because I'm going to be real, I'm going to be primal, or... No, I want to fit in, so I make believe as though it doesn't happen. I become a neurotic. I bec- either become fake or I become neurotic. I become sick. Yeah? You understand? The ability to be able to show up fully. You don't have to cut out any part of your experiences in Avodah Hashem. On the contrary. It's all part of your relationship. How it translates into life? Yes, different aspects. Some things have to be embraced. Some things have to be put on hold. Some things have to be harnessed. Some things have to be sublimated. And some things have to be ignored. And sometimes you have to say, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What bothers me there is that a person enjoys watching this expression. This animalistic you don't enjoy the jungle. I, only, I don't watch these things much. I do enjoy sometimes to see... A video clip of an, un, you know, an underdog, you know, a little animal that's attacked by big animals and it escapes, you know. Oh, that's uh, Okay. So you also have a psychiatrist of Some people want to be the victim, some people want to be the hammer, and some people want to be the nail. No? So, so God gave each of us a fight or flight response, right? Yes. So that's what he's talking yeah, about. Yeah, you were a wrestler. Yeah, what did it do for you? Uh, he was a professional art. martial arts wrestler, this man. Today he became a lawyer. I was a ball of martial arts for a number of years. But I'm saying each one of us has a yeah. fight or flight response, right? So what does it feel like to box, yeah, yeah. to wrestle, march? What does it feel like? I'm saying the experience of fighting, what does it feel like? Yes. So the animal lives in that space all day, that place of instinct, that space of survival. 
and fighting for the self without apologetics. How often will you hear a person say, I'm going to fight for myself. I'm going to fight for myself. Right? That's the fire in the belly you're talking about. The animals always say, look at their eyes. They have one message. I'm going to fight for myself and for my cubs to death. Even the bees have it in their eyes. Every one of them. Even the mosquitoes. (laughs) Everybody in their own way. I'm not talking about the tigers and the lionesses and the bears and so forth. By them it's like... It's the same thing, they're just bigger. Right. So, so I was always curious, right. people hunting, what's the big time of the hunt? People want to conquer that, they kill and they kill an animal. Perhaps. Right. right. Okay, so now let's see further inside. Davsamach Vava Medalev, page 131. Vini Adua. You see the line starts with his chaber base, probably ten lines from the top. Vehine yodua, it's known, shakol doimem tsaimeach chai. Nishtal shalu beribui madregiz beila achar ila atsheyordulamatamata. All doimem, all tsaimeach, all chai. Again, all physical matter, lifeless, organic, animal, evolved through many, many gradations. This means that the animal that you watch in the jungle, Rabbi Litzman, is not really an animal in the jungle. It's divine energy. Look at what he says, until they came down very low, and material matter emerged. But now he's going to explain the process. Hainu. In Yecheskel, the prophet Yecheskel Perik of Aleph has what's known as Maisa Merkava, a vision of the divine chariot. There he speaks of a divine chariot called Merkava, like a wagon. And on top of it you have the Kise, we call the Kise HaKovet, then you have the Odom HaElyon Sha'al HaKise. And who is carrying the Merkava? Who is this chariot that's carrying the throne? He says, four faces. There's Pnei Arya, the face of the lion on the right. There's Pnei Shur, the face of the bull on the left. There's Pnei Nesher, the face of the eagle. And there's Pnei Adam, the face of man. So the Alter Rebbe explains here fascinatingly, Behemus, Vahainu Behemus, Mepnei Shur, Chayis, Mepnei Arya, Vahoyfus, Mepnei Nesher. Basically, all at the, 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 the lion is the king of the Melech, the Gemara says, Melech Shabachai is the king of the animals. The eagle is, so to speak, the king of the birds. And then you have the shur, is the classic quintessential behemoth. The lion that I'm watching down here, in Brang Zoo, or even better, in Kruger's uh, National Park, or wherever it may be, that Aryeh, in all of its ferocious intensity and strength, is obviously a very physical animal. And if I would try to teach that Aryeh, this mimer in, uh, in Torah Ur, the Aryeh would maybe won't respond mamish and kind, but yet he embodies it. <laughs> he doesn't have to learn it, he embodies it. But the energy is really a different energy. The energy is from the Pnei Aryeh of Yecheskel's Merkava. It's just the Pnei Aryeh, the face of the lion, and Yecheskel didn't see a physical lion. He saw a certain divine energy that evolves and evolves and evolves through myriads and myriads of Madregas, and it assumes in each Madrega a different incarnation, a different Lavush until finally it becomes the physical lion. The same is true with all the birds, and the same is true with all the behemoths. 
The same is true, go to the world of the botanic world, the world of Tzimeach. Every blade of grass, every asav, it's not just fruits and vegetables. Every asav, you know how many types of grass there are? Types of plants. Everyone has a shoyrish lamayla kamashakasuv. The Pasik says in Barchinavshi, the asav laavoidas haadam. Here's a taich, of course. Literally, it means he created grass, man to toil. We toil the field. The asav laavoidas haadam means every asav has something to contribute laavoidas haadam. Every asav. Vineav, shabchinis merkavel, yoyinim, shabchinis tikun gamkein. Even though the Merkava that Yecheskel saw is also Tikkun, so there's a little contradiction there, because it's basically the world of Bria. We say every morning, the legions of heaven bow down to you, and they say Kaddish, 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 Srafim, Chayas, Efanim, Akkadish, are screaming Kaddish. Kaddish means they recognize. The larger picture, the larger source of reality, which is concept of bitl, which is tikkun. We explained in Toyu, it's vayimlach vayamas, nobody can tolerate anybody else. But in tikkun, this bitl. Furthermore, Yecheskel indicates that each one encompasses all four, which is a property of tikkun, where there is integration and synthesis, parts of a jigsaw puzzle. Mikal makayim emes. But as a result of a In other words, MS, that is an element of Tikkun there. But over there, there's also sparks of Tayu. And when they evolved and evolved and evolved, so from the Shmarim, you know what Shmarim are, yeah? Uh, sediments. sediments. The sediments, like at the left at the bottom of the wine. Shmarei from this comes the Dvarim Gashrim that have in them the original divine sparks of Toyu, even though this this means just like we have here Oilamatikun, but there's Oilamatoyu there. In the Merkava of Yechaskal, it's also Oilamatikun, but there's certain components over there of the Koyach of Pnei Arye, Pnei Nesher. Over there it's reflected in one way, and then when it comes down, it's reflected in another way. Here we come back to eating. What is the meditation, the mindfulness of eating? Now a person eats. And the question of this Maimah was a big question. Why did the Rebbeinah Shaloyla make us dependent on food? The world of the animal world doesn't need human beings. They would be better off without us. The elephants would be better off without us. The gorillas would be better off without us. We need them, they don't need us. And, th- and then we say we're superior. Pruervu, Kivshua, you dominate the world. And yet, we need them, they don't need us. And the answer, of course, is we do need them because we desperately need Taihu. And yet, of course, they need us. But the process is Vikivshuha. We are the ones who have to rule Taihu. But we need Taihu. We don't rule Taihu to suppress it, we rule Taihu to, to incorporate it. So the Achilas Adam, Mepchinas Hatikon, Mepchinas Shem Asher Bayis Lapshu Seren Sav. Adam, as we said in the previous year, is Begematria forty-five. Ma is Yud Kevavke with Alephs, as explained. What the Aleph is, the Yud on top, the Yud on bottom, the Vav that connects the two. It's the world of Chibur. When you have the Adam eating, the Adam has the energy of Eretz Sav. Misala Ma'ichalias Mepchinas Eskalulus. 
What happens now is the food becomes part of the klal. The food becomes in- integrated. What happens when you eat? When a person eats, the food is converted into the bloodstream. So, by eating, your koyach, your prowess and vitality is strengthened. So now a Jew can get up and start davening with the koyach of the dinner that he ate, or the lunch that he ate, or the breakfast that he ate. And what happens when he davens? When the Jew says, Shema Yisrael Hashem Alekeinu Hashem Echad, he surrenders his soul, he aligns his soul with the oneness of the cosmos, with the oneness of reality, which is the concept of Bithel that we explained, that reality is basically the Ein Soif of Hashem. And he aligns his life, his soul with that reality. The only reason I can do this is because of the food, because of the animal, because of the grass, because of the vegetables. So what happens now? They all become part of that bittel. This is then the birur, birur from the word boirer, which means to select, from the word borer, to clarify. Boirer means to choose. You boirer, you elevate, you bring back, you select the vessels of toyu which broke, and you bring them back up into the world of tikkun and into the world, and into the world of iskalalos. That's what you do. There was a Maisa, there was a Yid, his name was the Rajbats, Rab Shmuel Batsalo, he was a Chassid of the Rebbe, the Tzamech So they were once having, they were having a Shtarke Fabrengen, it was very open and throughout the night. And the food, there was no food. So they said, maybe you have something. He says, I don't have anything. They said, you have nothing? He says, a Chabat Sig. I have a goat, but they used it for milk. So they said, maybe. They said, okay, we'll bring the tzig. So they bring the tzig, and somebody shechted it, and they prepared the goat, and they had not stomach for bring, and they had a sudashlam of In the morning, his wife wakes up. And you know what happens, right? When the wife discovers what her husband did last night, and she sees the goat is gone. So she gives him a piece of her mind that he slaughtered the goat. So he tells his wife, he says, what's badet there? He says, what's, uh, what's badet there? How do you know the goat is gone? She says, what do you mean I don't know the goat is gone? I wake up every day, I hear meh, meh, meh. And today I didn't hear it. He said, MS, he says. But today the goat also spoke. Yesterday the goat said, meh, meh, meh. And today, if you listen carefully, the goat said, Shema Yisrael Hashem Alekeinu Hashem Echot. So that's the Hisalalus, the Hiskalalus and Tikkun. Now, since Toyu precedes Tikkun in Hishtalshalus and evolution, the Gamshin is Alu, or is the Toyu Bibchinus Atmos, or in Saflamailam and Matamitsiusam. And here you take back the lights of Toyu, and you bring them back to the etzem, to the essence of the light which is beyond their own reality, which broke. So when the kalim of Toyu are elevated in Tikkun, so this creates much more energy in Tikkun. So now Tikkun gets some of the intensity of the lights of Toyuk, because basically Tikkun managed to incorporate 
the kalim of toyu or mitzat shoyrish atoyu. He knew kadem b'maylam b'chinas atikun and mitzat is shoyrish. He's really higher. Mitzat, what happened to him? He fell much lower. But mitzat is shoyrish. The primal energy of Tayu is really much deeper than the energy of Tikkun because it's primal. It's just, it went into chaos. It got lost. Its direction got lost. But the essence of it is much deeper. Kamoshe Kosov, as the Pasuk says, fascinatingly, he goes back to the Pasuk in Vayishlach, remember? So the Balatanya teaches, Bnei Yisrael represents Tikkun. They're higher, they're before, not chronologically, before spiritually. Before the Jews put it together comes the world of Toyo. But the problem is, all these Malachim die because they have to be kings. And in order to be a king, you have to die because the other king can't become a king if the other king is alive. So he has to kill one king, so he should be able to become a king. That's what happens with Toyu. And therefore there's a shvira, there's a collision. And now Toyu becomes not recognizable. But when Tikkun comes into the world and steers at the animal within the self and says, I'm not scared of you because I know how good you really are and I know how holy you really are and therefore I'm not afraid of your primal uninhibitedness, even though the lion is roaring, you know, the roar of a lion, the animal is roaring and saying, I will destroy you, but you actually have the depth to look into its eyes and say, I know where your chaos is coming from. In fact, I see it as very holy. It's just distorted in the process. So now what happens? So what happens is, the opposite happens. The toyu now elevates Tikkun to a place that it could never reach on its own. Now you get from the Eur of Toyu the way it is in its essence before the Shvira, before the breaking. So an expression, Chazal. That's why a person has to eat. So he says, Achil is Tzorich Gavoy. Now usually when Chazal speak about Tzorich Gavoy, they're talking about <coughs> Karbonus in the Beis HaMikdosh, Achil is Mizbeach. Here he touches it as a euphemism for life. All Achil is Tzorich Gavoya. What says it's Tzorich Gavoya? The food is necessary for Gavoya. It's necessary to be able to allow you to reach your ultimate heights and it's a tzorich of avoidus Hashem ve'esam l'avoidus Adam. So is it fair to say that, as we said before, that in descending, tikkun is fueled by tohu, like the email writer person said. Now in the ascending, tohu is actually tikkun. Tohu is actually being fueled by tikkun. Right on the way up. Yeah. Tikkun fuels if tohu fuels tikkun, and tikkun fuels tohu, and allows it to be restored to its former glory, and in that process. Toyu fuels Tikkun even in a deeper way. Now when we say the person needs Toyu, which person? Literally we mean Achilas Adam. He says, no, it's Toyuch Gavoya. There's two Adams. There's Adam Lamata and there's Adam Lamayla. Kamay Shekasuv, Aldmus Akisay Dmus Kemare Adam. 
those animals were carrying the kisei hakavod, which has on it mus adam. That's adam elyon, so to speak, the supernal man. That adam nimshech by gamkin tois v'soir v'chiyus b'pchinas oiras the toya they biru dekelim the toya. Adam elyon, tzarech gavoya kvayachol, the god of atzilus, way God is manifested in the structure of atzilus. That adam elyon is also gaining chiyus from the oiras of toya. Now look at the nusach of benching. He says it's all there. Vachalta. How do we touch it? Eat, be satiated, and give a blessing to God. Thank Him. He says, no, something much deeper. You're blessing God, meaning, you're giving a bracha to Hashem. Says you're giving a bracha to Hashem. <laughs> you should give a bracha to Hashem. That's what you're going to do. Not you should, that's what you are doing. The word bracha in Mishnah comes from the word hamavrich es hagefen. You know what mavrich is? You graft a vine. You take a branch, you put it in the earth, and you have a new sapling, a new netiyah, a new tree emerging. In modern Hebrew, how do we call a pool? Brecha. Not only in modern Hebrew, it's ancient also. Why is it called a brecha? Brecha means, what's a pool? A pool, you access water from either the lake, the stream, the canal, the river, etc., the ocean, and you collect it, you create a cavity, and you collect it, you have a brecha. So all brecha is, lashon hamshacha. You take something from its source, and you flow, you create a flow, and you channel it into a new place. When you give a brecha to somebody, what does it mean to give a brecha? What does it mean to give a brecha to somebody? A bracha means you don't create something new. If you would create something new, so then instead of Yaakov crossing his hands, so that his right hand goes on Ephraim, his left hand goes on Menashe, the Alter Rebbe says elsewhere, Yosef should have said, Tata, the bracha that you wanted to give to Ephraim, give to Menashe, and let Menashe take the place of Ephraim. The answer is a bracha can't create. A bracha can channel, can access. I tune into who you are, I could see who you really are and I can help you access who you are. But I can't take money from your bank account and put it into his bank account. To put it in simple words, Yaakov can't make Ephraim Menashe Menashe Ephraim. You could bless your child to be who he is, not who you want him to be. The responsibility of a parent is, a grandparent, to bless the child that he should be able to access himself, not his brother. Brother has to access himself. People think they'll make, they'll take him to a tzaddik, he'll give a bracha, and suddenly Ephraim will become a nasha, Menashe will become a Ephraim. doesn't work that way. Menashe is Menashe, Ephraim is Ephraim. So a bracha is always channeling energy from the source. So now we go, What bracha are you giving to Hashem? So we touch, Beirachta means it's just a form of saying a blessing, a thank you. No, he says it means berachta. You actually are mamshach something to Hashem alakecha. Why? Because you just dealt with tayu. Because whenever you're eating, you're basically facing a ferocious animal. And that's the secret of the spell of food. That's why food is hypnotic. That's why the greatest, greatest minds in front of food, they often lose everything. They lose everything. You can have a person who just finished learning six hours. He's flying high. He feels like he's in Olam Haba. And then, and then, 
the plate of food is in front of him, and it's all over. It's all over. Right? It's Shabbos. He was davening with closed eyes. And he comes home. The soup is not hot. Or there's salt missing in the soup. You would think it's a national disaster. Or there's not enough food. And suddenly the same great man becomes not a behemoth, a chaya. A behemoth of not He becomes a chaya. What happened? What happened? The answer is, because whenever you're eating, you're facing the world of Toyo. And that what you see in the jungle, that, that is translated into the food. That's the power it has. And whenever you have such intense power, the first thing you have to do is not be scared. The first thing is you don't blink. You have to be able to be present. How can you be present? By identifying what it is and realizing that more than you need the food, the food also needs you. So by miseating, by mistreating the food, by eating like a glutton, you're not hurting yourself only. You're also abusing the food. The, few, the food is asking you to have a relationship with it. The worst thing to do when you eat is not to have a relationship with what you're eating. To make believe you're just eating dead things. If you eat dead things, you can't have life from deadness. We eat because we get life from food. That means there's life in food. So respect it that way. You have to have a relationship with it. You have to have a certain, a certain connection with it. I don't mean a relationship. I mean to get romantic about the food you're eating. But uh, maybe a little bit. But the point is, there's a relationship. There's a chius there. If there wouldn't be a chius aliki, you wouldn't be able to give you life. You wouldn't be able to say Shema Yisrael with the koyach of the food. There's a chayis there. And it's a chayis that's even deeper than your neshama's chayis. So on one hand, it could schlep you down if you're not a teacher. If you become a victim, the food, the jungle, the, the, the animal in the jungle will just schlep you down. If you become a teacher and you realize that the child has something that it needs from you and you will get something from it, like we say in Chinuch, mitalmidai, the Gemara says in Tainus, I learned a lot from my teachers. I learned more from my friends. O mitalmidai I learned most from my students. So what does this mean? Does this mean that a Rebbe or a Shishiva has to come into the classroom and say, okay, since you learn most from the students, so why don't the students take over the show? So you know what such a cheder looks like. I mean, a lot of us learned in such a cheder. Basically, the students took over the show. And you know how much you learned. A teacher has to be a teacher. The teachers, I'm the leader in this classroom. I hold the steering wheel. But yet, you learn more from your students than you learn from yourself. But you still have to be a teacher. So Tikkun has to be the leader. The food is here, I, it needs me. I cannot become a victim here because it needs my direction, it needs my guidance, it needs my awareness more than anything else. It needs awareness. And I have awareness. Why? Because hopefully I have awareness, because an Adam has awareness. Once I engage in that process though, it will take me to a place that I can't go on my own. That's the Kavanah Samaychel. So, Beirachta es Hashem Alekecha. You give a Hamshacha to Hashem Alekecha. Hashem Alekecha is Tikkun. Yudke Vavke, remember, is back to Shema, Adam. That's Yudke Vavke. Elekecha is the way Yudke Vavke comes into you. That's Tikkun. But the Michael, the Savatu Beirachta, is Hashem Alekecha. That's why it says, It should have said, Adam, not Adam. Adam means a man. Adam means the man. 
Who's the man? Adam Elyon. The food is not only to give chiyus to a man, it's to give chiyus to the man, ha-adam. Because even Adam Elyon, which is the source of Tikkun, spheres of Atzillus, also gains from the Torah. V'zeu pirush lechem in ha-aretz. This is what we mean whenever Chazal speak about bread that comes from the earth. Lechem in ha-aretz. Ki p'chines eretz, hi p'chines sheim ban, p'chines toyu. Earth, land, represents Toyu, which is not Shema, it's Shem Ban, the second name, 52, which is Begematria, Behema. Adam is 45, Beis, Hey, Mem, Hey, is 45, plus 7 is 52, that's Shem Ban. Ban represents the energy of Toyu, Ma represents the energy of Tikkun. One evolves into Adam, the other one evolves into Behema. Lechem in Ha'aretz is eating bread from the earth, which means sublimating the Birurim of Toyu. That's the process of Lechem in Ha'aretz. That's the process of eating bread, which includes all foods that are somehow connected to the earth. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.